it's dark. So very, very dark. My flashlight continues to provide the smallest amount of light possible. All around are metal walls, corrugated stairs, and reverberating echoes. I can hear my own heartbeat pounding in my ears and bouncing off of the nearby walls. Below, the growling noise has continued unabated, calling me deeper. I am calling from Elm Lake. Keep returning here to the bunker, to this place once buried beneath the earth and exposed by a moon-shaped carving. It's clear that this is where Jorge wanted me to come. Here is where he believes I will find my answers. I've been recording my explorations with the hopes that I'll be able to get them out over the airwaves, but I cannot be certain. After all, I know that there is something else in here with me, and I don't know if I can trust his motivations. Has it been here waiting for fresh meat to be dropped into a gaping maw? Is it some sort of monstrous guardian waiting for the right moment to pounce? don't even know if the noise is coming from something that is sentient. I do know that I cannot worry about that right now. Jorge is confident that my questions will be answered here within this space. Within this bunker. Within this construct that was wiped from the minds of all of the residents of Elm Lake only reappearing because of an accidental dig conducted by two people simply looking to keep their machines active while they plotted out new developments for a community that has largely been unchanged as long as we all can remember. And now I am here, exploring. Footsteps circling back to me along these metal walls, moments after my own. Are they just echoes? Is someone else here? Are they memories of whoever walked these halls before? I need to go deeper.
Amelia kept dragging me by the hand, pulling me forward and always trying to get us west. We had to dart and weave around buildings, making sure to avoid the watchful eyes of the citizens of Elm Lake. So many watchful eyes. I don't think I've ever seen the people of this town look so attentive. I saw my parents in the first hour after Amelia pulled us out through the kitchen and almost ran towards them. A sharp tug on my hand pulled me back, and a hiss in my ear told me, They aren't right. Not now. I don't know how she knows these things, but Amelia seems to have some sort of preternatural sense about everything. Every time she's quickly shifted direction at an intersection, I've been able to hear townsfolk down the other paths, but only after she's moved us. When she has us stuck against a wall, it's moments before something ancient and unknowable flies overhead. The things overhead. I don't know where they came from. They look humanoid, but distorted. Leathery wings, extended jowls with razor-sharp teeth, and talons where fingers should be. Their legs are almost like ours, but they have an extra bend I can't explain, and almost bird-like feet. The third time I saw one, it was carrying away someone from town. Angela Marone, I think. It should have been a terrifying moment, especially for her, but she seemed almost blank, devoid of any emotion. She was being carried east, and I haven't seen her since. It was the only time I saw someone in Elm Lake with anything other than a feverish and focused look in their eyes, clearly trying to find two young women who adamantly refuse to fall in line. We are headed west, and soon we are going to leave the safety of the buildings. I have to trust in Amelia, because I don't see any other choice. Gone. They're gone. My eyes are everywhere, but I cannot see them. I don't know how. Leaving puts them in danger. Leaving puts us all in danger. I need to find them. I need to make sure that they aren't jeopardizing everything that is being planned. I thought Jenny was the wild card. And then I presumed Anthony was. He's still outside of my reach. But he isn't important. She is, but I don't think she has agency in this moment. No, it is Amelia. She is the wild card. She should have been left where she was. And now, she's putting everything at risk. I need to find them. Otherwise everything could be brought to ruin. 
Today is my fourth day inside the bunker. Yesterday, I was able to find some sort of living quarters with blankets, beds, rations, and basic undecorated jumpsuits. Some sort of uniform, perhaps, but very uniform. A drab brown, one that wouldn't show dirt well and didn't really seem to carry any form to it. The rations came in handy, as I don't remember the last time I ate anything real. I also found a new flashlight. The light isn't any brighter, but I feel somehow that the batteries contain more charge than the ones I'd been using. It also has more heft to it, and I feel its weight in my hand. It's comforting as I explore this strange space. On the second day, I found what appeared to be some sort of greenhouse. I'm not a gardener, so I don't know if the tangles of greenery that had clearly gone wild would lead to anything useful, but it was almost exhilarating to see that much greenery in one space. It's also the only room I've found so far that had its own light source. Everything else has been dark, so the strange glow in the greenhouse was both heartening and unsettling. I head down one of the many stairs I've found, reaching the seventh floor below ground. I haven't explored each floor fully, merely trying to find carvings of the moon. The only things I have to guide me forward are the words of Jorge Sanchez imploring me to seek out the moon. That simple sigil has drawn me here, and it brings me down further. At the bottom of the stairs, there's a door. I lean my shoulder against it, but it isn't moving. The growling is loud with every floor I descend, but I've almost gotten used to it. It has become familiar and almost comforting, as much as one could say that an incessant growling noise could be viewed as comforting. I'm about to head back upstairs, moving away from the source of the growl, when I notice a button on the wall. There are no markings on this button, no indications of what it might do. I have nothing to lose. In some ways, I feel like I've already lost almost everything. Down here, I think I'm safe from the searching eyes of Marcus and Angus. Below ground, I'm still in the dark, but I don't notice it as a night that never ends. Instead, it's simply the result of being underground without a natural cycle of light. The similarities would almost make me chuckle if I didn't feel my heart in my throat. I push the button on the wall. 
At first, nothing happens. And then slowly, with a deafening squeal, the door at the bottom of the stairs opens and stagnant air billows out. Inside, I see the glow of monitors. I'm inside the room before I realize I don't hear the growling anymore. We need to keep moving. We haven't reached safety yet. The sun keeps beating down and I honestly don't know how long we've been on the move. It feels like ever since we left the Owl's Nest Diner, the town has worked against us, growing and adding to itself to keep us within its grasp. And no, Jenny still doesn't consider it to be the real Owl's Nest. We've spoken about that in hushed voices, often while hiding from the creatures flying through the air, looking for citizens to grab and take somewhere. I know Jenny feels that we shouldn't be here. I know that she's confused as to how I know when to turn, when to hide, and where we're headed overall. The first time I saw the question in her eyes, I tried to point down the darkened alley to the flickering figure of Lorraine. Jenny's eyes followed my finger, but clearly didn't see anything. She can't see Lorraine. She has no idea that we have something as close as we could possibly have to a guardian angel. Maybe I'm imagining it, but the image of Lorraine has kept us safe so far. We're now at the edge of town. The last building's flanking us right now. Open space yawns before us, and it'll take us some time to reach our destination. We need to move, to head west. We take a moment to rest and recover as much energy as we possibly can. I look towards the sky and see the sun hanging where it has ever since Marcus brought us to the diner. It hasn't moved, almost as though it's taunting us. But I know we'll be able to escape its playful glare soon. We just need to keep moving. After our rest, we move, darting over the open space, and almost before I can hope, I see Lorraine's form again, pointing behind her and slightly to her left. I veer right, pulling Jenny along with me. I can't let her go at this point. We're so close and I need her to be with me. We cross over a small hill and I see it yawning before us. The excavation site looms before us, the crescent-shaped carving with steep walls. We find a safe path downwards, reaching the base of the dig, and Jenny finally has realization wash over her face. That realization is quickly followed by fear, and she looks like she wants to scramble away. I don't let her hand go. Instead, with determination, I walk us forward. We pass the flickering form of Lorraine Powell and walk underneath the carved moon shape above the door of the bunker. Below us, safety is waiting. Elm Lake is waiting. Calling from Elm Lake, episode 21, Inside the Bunker, was written and produced by Sean Monahan. The voice of Elm Lake is Sean Monahan. The voice of Jenny Fowler is Emma Sala. The voice of Marcus Grant is Mick Reyna. The voice of Amelia Ashford is Maddie Stewart. Opening and closing themes written and performed by Sean Monahan. All other music written and performed by Matt McInnes. Find out more at machinismusic.com. You can follow our social media on Twitter or Facebook for a little irregular strangeness. You can also find us on TikTok as we create visuals to help round out the world of Elm Lake. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please leave a rating and review on whichever podcasting app you found our feed. 
doing so could help bring new listeners to the call of Elm Lake. If you'd like to support us as we unfold this story, add new voices, and just generally continue to explore this particular creative process, you can do so at www.patreon.com slash callingfromelmlake. Your support will help us continue to grow and expand on the story and hopefully be able to add even more content within the universe of Elm Lake. Day and night are merely illusions. Those illusions are enhanced by lighting conditions and our general perceptions of noise and color.